you take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, the book of John, we are going to be finishing up in the book of John here and uh, leading up to Christmas, we've got some Christmas stuff to deal with in the book of John. But I want you to turn to the 18th chapter, we're actually going to begin where Pastor Zach left off last week, John chapter 18. where Jesus is standing before Pilate, and Pilate is confused about who Jesus is. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 18 that in his frustration, he finally says to Jesus in verse 37, I believe it is, Are you a king then? Because... That was his impression. Are you a king? They say you're a king. I don't know if that's true or not. Are you a king? And Jesus said to him, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I love Christmas, and the reason why I love Christmas, one of the reasons, obviously, is because of my faith. But I love Christmas because it is celebrated worldwide. Jesus is honored and worshipped in every time zone around the world. It's kind of fun, you know, because it takes 24 hours to circle the globe so Christmas Eve services or candlelight services will start and they will go constantly for thousands and thousands of churches around the world for 24 hours. And so the light of Christ has circled the globe and settled in every country there is. Now some say the light of Christ is going out that is being extinguished. I don't want to address that issue because I'm not sure how I know how to answer that question. I thought that there were some churches that were repressing the gospel only to find out that the, Christian, the church is growing in those countries. So I don't know what to say about that, but I do know this. I know that all of us have the responsibility to share the light of Christ. That I do know. All of us have that responsibility, and so the question this morning is, what are we doing in order to share the light of Christ? You'll remember when the angels came to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and gave them the message of Christ's birth in Bethlehem. You'll know what the shepherds did. The Bible says that they went to see what happened, and when they visited Jesus, the Bible says they went out and they widely shared the good news. We need to widely share the good news. And let me say this to you, the better we understand the plan of God in Christ, the more confident we will be in sharing the light of Christ. Let me say that again. The better we understand the plan of God in Christ, the more confident we will be in sharing the light of Christ. 
the early, let me give you an illustration of this. The early church, the early church knew that Jesus was both human and divine. There was no problem. The church understood that. Now, they knew that, but they didn't understand that, of course. They knew that Jesus was the Son of Man, but that Jesus was also the Son of God. They knew he was sinless in his character. They maintained that rigidly. And that he was regarded as a proper object of worship because he is God. But naturally, naturally, they couldn't explain all of they couldn't reason it out, and they couldn't explain all that they knew that the Bible taught. So every once in a while in church history, someone would come along and challenge what the Bible teaches. Some would come and say, well, God is God, but he's not man. God is man, but he's not God. Jesus wasn't sinless. Jesus didn't come to save us from our sins. He came for social reasons. He was a good man, but that's it. And every once in a while, when someone would come and challenge what the church knew, the church would have to investigate God's word even deeper in order to come to a conclusion or an answer to those questions. And I'm grateful for what the church has done over the years to do that. The better we understand the plan of God in Christ, the more confident we will be in sharing the light of Christ. Now look at John chapter 18, verse 37 for just a second, and then we'll move on to the second scene. This is the first scene. The first scene is Jesus is before Pilate. Jesus claims to be a king. For this reason or this cause, I was born. I am a king. You said it rightly, I am a king. Then he gives another reason. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there's actually two reasons here. He says, for this reason I was born, but there's another reason why I was born as well. I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Now hold that thought for just a minute because we're going to get into it in a second. But I want you to turn to the second scene that we have here in this, in this book of John. The second scene is John chapter 19. And in John chapter 19, the Bible tells us that Pilate's ultimate decision was to try to get Christ out from under the problem of the people wanting him to be crucified. But when that didn't work, Pilate's decision was that Jesus should be taken out and crucified. And so the Bible says in verse 17, in chapter 19, that he bearing the cross, that's Jesus, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him with two other criminals. But notice what Pilate did in verse 19. Now, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, everybody together, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews were offended by that. They said, don't write that. Write that he claimed to be the King of the Jews, but not that he is. And Pilate said, no, it stands the way I've written it. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. 
Pilate probably knew a lot more than people give him credit for knowing. Pilate understood a lot more than people give him credit for understanding. But when you look at chapter 19, where Jesus, 18, where Jesus claims to be a king, and then you see that the king is crucified on the cross, you have all kinds of questions in your mind and the world. And why, one reason why I say this is because if we're to share the light of Christ with the world, that's our responsibility, every single one of us. If we're to share the light of Christ with the world, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of people who hear this for the very first time and ask questions like, well, I don't understand that. If Jesus is a king, why on earth is he being crucified on a cross? That must mean his kingship was a dismal failure. It must mean that he was a king, but he couldn't pull it off, really indicating that he was no king at all. You see what I'm saying? Those are the kinds of questions that we have. And anytime you're out to share the gospel and you've done this, you know how important it is to anticipate the objections you're going to get from people around you. Anticipate them. Just put yourself in their shoes and say, if I were an unbeliever and I were looking at this passage of scripture, how would I feel about that? So how on earth do you reconcile chapters 18 and 19? Well, I'm going to give you three quick pass several quick, quick passages of scripture. Go to Mark chapter 8. Everybody go to Mark chapter 8 verses 31 and 32 cuz you ought to have these in mind. You ought to be ready to share Mark chapter 8 with those who have this kind of objection or question. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus has taken his uh, disciples for a little break, for a little vacation. He took them way above the Sea of Galilee to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And there he sits with his disciples and he asks the disciples a question. He says, who do people say that I am? And you'll remember they give them, gave Jesus all kinds of questions. Some think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elijah. Some think you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus says to them, but who do you think I am? And they say in verse 29 of Mark chapter 8, verse 29, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, okay, don't tell anybody right now about that. Because what does Jesus say next in verse 31? The Bible says, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. After three days, what's going to happen? It's going to rise again. Now notice, there's a priority here. Jesus doesn't just do that. I like my King James, New King James Bible, because it has these headings above these paragraphs where Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. And then over into chapter 9, the Bible says, I mean, the heading is, Jesus again predicts his death and resurrection. This time... Jesus is spending time passing through Galilee with his disciples. And in verse 30, 1, the Bible says, He taught his disciples and said to them, you can read it together with me, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will what first? Kill him, and after he is killed, he will what? Rise again. Now, being killed doesn't seem to be consistent with a king, but raised again, raised again is a different matter. 
Now, you might want to hang on to that passage of Scripture because some people say, well, I never knew that. I never heard that. I didn't know that any, I thought Jesus was just here to do social good. I didn't know anything about, uh, and, and some deny it when, it when it's in the Bible anyway. But the fact of the matter is, you have two passages of Scripture there in Mark, and then in chapter 10, verses 32 through 34, you have it a third time. And I love the headings in my New King James because the Bible says, the heading, Jesus a third time predicts his death and resurrection. He does it one more time, but I think we get the point. Now, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem this time, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. They were afraid because of what Jesus already said, that he's going up to Jerusalem. And he took the twelve aside and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Everybody together, verse 33. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And what's going to happen the third day? He will rise again to prove that he is king. Now on the road to Emmaus, we have another great passage of scripture. I won't give that one to you because of the time element here. But I do want you to return I want you to return to one other passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 11. Now you know me, I usually stick to a passage when I'm in a book, I try to stick there so that I don't make you move around a lot. This morning's kind of the exception to the rule. We got to move around a lot. And uh, so 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 11. The Bible tells us that Peter is very anxious to share salvation. Salvation. You ever been saved from anything? Has a lifeguard ever saved you from the water? Have you ever been saved uh, by someone helping you out? Salvation is when you're delivered from something harmful, something that could be life-changing for you. And so the Bible, Peter talks about salvation, and he's talking about spiritual salvation here. And he says in verse 10, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. They suspected that what they were sharing in the Old Testament had some very important significance to it, but the prophets couldn't even put it all together. It only came together when the light came on in the room in the New Testament. And then we could see everything. So the Bible says that uh, the prophets uh, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you searched what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand what? First of all, the what? The sufferings of Christ, first of all, and then number two, the glories that would follow. Suffering first, Glory second. And those are the two reasons. So when Jesus says, I am a king, I came to be a king. And then he said, for this reason I came, that I may be a testament to the truth. The truth of man's sin. The truth of man's need for a savior. The truth of man's need for Christ to save him from his sins. Because salvation isn't just being freed from your enemies, 
king does that. It doesn't mean being freed from those who hate you. A king can do that, you see. Uh, providing a nation of, uh, of prosperity and peace, king can do that, you see. But the Bible says that we need to be saved from our sin. It's just as important. And those two elements show up in the Christmas story. Now you have three, you have four passages of scripture this year. Mark, three passages there in Mark, one passage in 1 Peter, and I would hope by now you're saying, I can do this a little bit more confidently than I normally would. Just with those alone. Now the Christmas story, and I just, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing this for you, but I want you to note if you go back to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, you will discover those two elements. They're constantly being shared. Those two elements where Jesus is king and where Jesus is suffering for the sin of the world first. In Matthew chapter 1, I'm just going to bring to your attention just a couple of verses in chapter 1, verse 21, which one is being emphasized when the Bible says that Mary is going to bring forth a child in verse 21 and you shall call his name what? Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Which one is being emphasized when the wise men come, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the wise men come saying in verse 2, where is he who was born what? King. King. You see, now you read the Christmas story. You read through the Christmas story in, in Luke. You have the very same thing. You have, and just read it. When you have fun reading the Christmas story, ask yourself, Where's the emphasis on reason number one, that Jesus came to be king, or reason number two, where Jesus came to save us from our sins? In Luke chapter 1, verse 32, let me just share this with you. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32, which one is being emphasized? And behold, in verse 31, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, he shall be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be what? No end. Kind of reminds you of Isaiah chapter 9 where the Bible tells us. Wonderful passage of scripture. And why do we share that? Because you and I should be confident about the future. And confident about what God is doing in the world. And what his plan is for us. But the Christmas story includes two things. Jesus, count the times Jesus is referred to as king in the Christmas carols. Count the times Jesus is referred to as the savior of the world to save us from our sin in Christmas carols. There's a competition going on there, isn't there? You bet there is. Well, in Luke chapter 1, uh, I could go on, but I think I will not do that. Uh, Zechariah has some wonderful things to say about these two elements. And so does Simeon uh, when we get to the temple, when Jesus is to be presented in the temple. But I'm just telling you, uh, these elements are critical. And when you and I share the light of Christ, we need to share both of these. I don't know if it's going to be a Christmas card. I don't know if it's going to be a personal conversation around the dinner table with your relatives. I don't know if it's over the fence with your neighbor. I don't know if it's a colleague at work. But bringing up Christmas is something that we all are able to do this time of the year because everybody expects it. 
Everybody expects it. I usually want to be the first one to jump and say Merry Christmas, but I've had more people jump and say Merry Christmas to me before I got it out this year so far. Anyway, Christ's power, and let me just say this to you as we wind this down. Christ's power and lordship extends to all creatures in all the world. And just because he's king and the focus is on salvation from our sins doesn't mean that Jesus is not ruling the universe. He is even now. Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn to these passages of scripture, but I just want to bring a couple to your attention. Number one, you remember when Jesus gave the Great Commission and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew 28, he said, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians talks about uh, Jesus and his relationship to the, all of creation, he says that Jesus is far above every prince and principality and power and government there is. And I'll tell you what, I had a list up. I actually crossed several of these out so that I could do the one in Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He had a dream of this big image that had a head of gold and then silver down through the chest and then bronze and then two legs that were made of, of iron and then feet of iron and clay. And you'll remember he couldn't interpret the dream. He didn't know anything, but Daniel could interpret the dream. And Daniel interpreted the dream and he says, you know, this is, I'm just paraphrasing it for you or I'm just giving it to you in, in common language. He said, you know what? He says, the dream that you had is like a picture of world history. It talks about the government that you, you, you're the gold, and then there's going to be another empire that's come after you that's going to be silver, another empire that's going to come after you that's going to be bronze, another empire that's going to come after you and be iron, and then iron and partly clay, and then I just want to read these two verses to you. Can I do that? And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain, that was the last thing he saw, without hands, and that it broke in pieces, the iron, rolled down the mountain, and broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. And here's the punchline. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. And God establishes his kingdom ultimately here on earth. See, it answers the question as to why there's so much chaos in the world. Because you can anticipate the objection you're going to get from people around you. If Jesus is king, why is there so much chaos in the world? Why do things look like they're getting worse instead of getting better? Well, you know the answer to that. Listen, when Jesus comes as king, he's coming to judge that's it. No more excuses, no money concerns, no wiggling out of what you are and what you've done. But right now, God is ridding the world of sin through the gospel, through his love and his compassion. And when you have love and compassion, you've got to have some patience as well, right? 
And so right now, we need to understand that the reason why the word, all the chaos proves that we have a sin problem, right? And that it needs to be addressed. Application. I got some real simple application for you here, and I want to share it with you. We need to, number one, we need to compassionately share the gospel, understanding that this is an opportunity in a world filled with sin for people to change their minds and turn to Christ. These opportunities will not last forever. Application number two, don't let other things crowd out the real reason for Christmas. And I throw that in there because if I go clear back to the top where we're to share the love of Christ, it's important for us to understand that um, one of the reasons why it looks that way is because we've crowded Christmas out with so many other things. I love what this little boy said. I love what this little boy said. He was sharing, he was showing his grandmother all the Christmas presents that he got when she said to him, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And the little boy thought for a moment before he answered and he said, no, I didn't, Grandma, but that's okay. It wasn't my birthday. Pretty good. Pretty good. Third application. You can flip over to this passage if you want to in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and I'm specifically looking at the tail end of that. But I just want you to know that because of the birth of Christ and because Jesus was willing to suffer and die in our place to pay the penalty for our sin and because he is king of the universe... Paul, Peter is able to say on his sermon in chapter 3, verse 21, I want to go clear to the end of this. I want to go clear to the end of this. Uh, let's do verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What does times of refreshing mean? And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you beforehand. Get ready, second phase is coming. Peter is talking about it. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets. So now I understand what times of refreshing mean. I understand what times of restoration mean. And all I'm going to do is quote my favorite theologian. Word for word, the strong expression restoration of all things is too strong to refer to anything less than the perfect restoration of that state of things that existed before the fall of man. It points to the restoration of all things to their former condition in the Garden of Eden. I'm telling you what. Christmas, see, we sing about Christmas, and we sing about Christmas. We should understand that the birth of Jesus guarantees an incredible future for this planet. When Jesus comes back, he's going to make everything right. He's going to get rid of everything that's wrong. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, where Paul says, you know what? 
this present suffering can't even can be compared to the glory that's going to follow. I'll tell you what. We have a lot to be thankful for. So we need to compassionately share the gospel. We should not let other things crowd out the real reason for this. I'm convinced that there's so much depression at Christmas time because of all the other things that we've crowded Christmas out with. I bet we'd be a lot healthier if we just stick to the real reason for Christmas and not spend a whole lot of time. I'm not saying don't do something. You know, celebrations include lots of things. I understand that. But don't you agree we got too much going on? All right, all right. And then in Acts chapter 3, we need to look forward to the fact that Jesus' birth guarantees an incredible future for planet Earth. And that this, this present suffering is not even compared to the glory that you and I are going to receive. And then there's another final one. I won't get into it this morning, but I bring it to your attention. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 and 12, the Bible says, listen, when Jesus comes and he establishes his kingdom on this earth, uh, once again, I'm not going to open it up and break it down, but I just want to bring it to your attention. The Bible says that you and I, if we died with him, we're going to live with him, and we shall also what? Reign with him. Wow. All right. I think that's enough for this morning, don't you? Boy, oh boy, what wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff in understanding the plan of God in Christ so that we can more confidently share it with others. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray in your precious name that you would just encourage us together. Lord, we need encouraged. It's a discouraging period of time that we're going through. But Father, you have it all under control in the way that you have planned it out. And most notably, to make it obvious to us that we have a sin problem and we need to deal with it before we're judged. So, Lord, I just pray in your precious name that the light of Christ will just circle the globe many times over this Christmas season alone and that we will see a rich harvest of people saying, I want to be saved. In Jesus, your most precious and holy name, with thanksgiving for your coming. Amen.